if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. It is the authority. Stop button for me, Derek. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock as uh, we get started on this Tuesday, the 21st morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord 2020. Thanks for being with us coming up on the program today. Our good friend Peter Kersenow joins us at 1010. That's the beauty of Tuesdays. It is always a Kersenow day. Looking forward to conversations with him. And then, or rather, not instead of and then, Prior to that, coming up in about a half an hour at 9.35, former Congressman Jim Renacci will join us. He's got some thoughts on what's going on in Ohio with Governor Mike DeWine and some of the decisions he is making with respect to uh, the COVID-19 virus. And uh, there is another press conference today. He is expected to announce new orders. Uh, DeWine is, that is. We're going to hear from Jim Renacci about that. Renacci also has some thoughts on the last Republican governor of Ohio, John Kasich not attending the Republican convention to renominate the incumbent Republican President Donald Trump, but making plans to speak at the Democrat convention in Milwaukee on behalf of Democrat Joe Biden. So Kasich for Biden, and we'll get Renacci's response to that. So two guests, Jim Renacci and Peter Kersenow, coming up on the program this morning. Before we get there, however... We have to go here to St. Louis, the biggest story of the day, uh, really of the week, and I don't know, maybe of this entire ridiculous, nonsensible pro- protest slash rioting slash um, demonstration culture that we are living in right now. Maybe the face of all of this is the face of the McCloskeys. The McCloskeys, a couple in, uh, a well-to-do couple, a couple of attorneys, by the way, liberal attorneys who spend their time literally defending the types of people that are attacking them, uh, talking about radical anarchists from organizations like Antifa and Black Lives Matter, the organization. Uh, they, of course, are the couple that was standing and defending their property uh, with their firearms as uh, protesters or, or barbarians really just broke through an iron gate to access their private community and then threatened to kill the McCluskeys and their dog and burn down their house. They stood there knowing there was no police protection. No police protection. Nobody was going to respond. They stood there with their firearms to deter any sort of attack from the crowd of hundreds. 
And now they are paying a price for defending their property. Listen. We begin at four with breaking news. Five on your side has learned charges have been filed against the McCluskeys, the St. Louis couple who pointed their guns at protesters outside their central West End home. It's all according to the couple's attorney, Joel Schwartz, who says they were charged with unlawful use of a weapon. A conviction could result in prison time and a fine. It all stems from what the world witnessed in photos and video that have now gone viral. They show Patricia McCluskey with a pistol, her husband Mark with a rifle. Police were at their home last week with a warrant to confiscate those weapons. During an interview last month, Mark McCluskey told Five on Your Side the couple feared for their lives. They also claimed protesters damaged their property. We'll have much more on this developing story coming up at 5, 6, and 10. So what do we need to know about this case? Well, let's listen to a little bit more from the actual homeowner, Mark McCloskey, who then went on Tucker Carlson's program last night to discuss the charges against him, which could put him in prison for up to four years for defending himself and his property. Has anyone explained what you are supposed to do in a situation where the police would not respond they would not come to protect you despite the fact you pay them and private security wouldn't come either probably for fear of being sued what were you supposed to do once people break in and start threatening you well you know what what various commentators have suggested is we should have just gone inside and filmed them with our cell phones well do you want to have 300 people inside your house breaking stuff, setting fires, and killing you, or would you rather stop them when they're outside? We chose to stop them from coming in. What's going to happen now? I mean, do you have a fear of going to prison? You know, I don't know. I have very little familiarity with the criminal process. We've gotten support now from the White House House on down, uh, Governor Parsons, the Senator, uh, Eric Schmidt, our Attorney General. It seems like the only person in the United States that thinks we did something wrong is our circuit attorney. But she's the same person that let out of jail everybody that was responsible for the looting and fires and destruction uh, following the George Floyd death in the city of St. Louis. The only people that she wants to prosecute are the people that defended themselves against it and nobody else to my knowledge. The prosecutor that uh, Mark McCloskey is uh, discussing there is, of course, uh, Kimberly Gardner. Kimberly Gardner is, well, she's interesting. Kimberly Gardner is the local district attorney who was elected to her position with the help of George Soros and his nationwide campaign to seize the justice system. George Soros and his minions are responsible for 70% of the donations, according to multiple reports, to the campaign for Kim Gardner to win a race as district attorney. Kim Gardner uh, ordered those weapons to be seized by police, as you just heard in that report, and she has essentially declared that it's open season on these two citizens and others who dare to stand up to the mob that she refuses to prosecute. The leftist media have vilified the McCloskeys, to the point where they literally are living under armed protection. Fortunately, they can afford it because they're attorneys, and they're well-to-do, they have a nice house, and they have hired a private security force. And the reason why, of course, is because they can't count on the police to defend them when the police are being defunded, and thus uh, the uh, uh, ranks are, are being thinned out. They just don't have enough officers. So the police can't defend them. They can't defend themselves because they had their guns taken away from them, which is a blatant violation of the Second Amendment. And I hope they own part of the state of Missouri when all of this is said and done. Uh, 
But Kim Gardner is the focus here. She should be the focus. Let's listen to the Attorney General of the state of Missouri now. His name is Eric Schmidt. Describe his um, viewpoint on what is happening to the McCloskeys um, because of the absurd racist... That's right. I'm calling Kim Gardner, an African-American attorney, a blatant racist who has let more and more African-Americans out of prison for violent crimes than you can even count while trying to now lock up these two white people who defended themselves against this mob that broke into their private community. So here's the Attorney General Eric Schmidt. Hello, I'm Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt. The right to keep and bear arms is given the highest level of protection in the Missouri Constitution and our laws, which I'm charged with protecting. This includes the Missouri Castle Doctrine, which provides broad rights to Missourians to protect and defend their personal safety and property against those who wish to do them harm. And yet, in the wake of radical calls to defund the police, and with rates of violent crime skyrocketing each day, the St. Louis Circuit Attorney filed suit against the St. Louis couple, who, according to published reports, say they were doing just that, defending the safety of their family and their private property. Enough is enough. As Missouri's Chief Law Enforcement Officer, I simply will not stand by while Missouri law is being ignored. That's why I'm entering this case and seeking the dismissal of this case to protect the rights of Missourians to defend themselves and their property under Missouri's Castle Doctrine. A political prosecution such as this one would have a chilling effect on Missourians exercising their right to self-defense. The law in Missouri is clear and must be protected. We're in the middle of a crisis of violence in our major cities here in Missouri, including in St. Louis. My office is committed to working with law enforcement, state and federal partners, and community leaders to protect our communities, combat violence, and defend our citizens. We should focus our attention on that, not these kinds of divisive decisions, not based on the law. May God bless you, and may God bless the great state of Missouri. All right, so the Attorney General of Missouri, as you just heard, says he is going to seek the dismissal of any charges against the McCloskeys. But he's going to have a fight on his hands from the from the uh, district attorney in question. Let me tell you a little bit more about Kim Gardner, according to Eric Schmidt himself, in a separate interview. Kim Gardner has an abysmal record, he said, in prosecuting violent crime. She has recently released and been complicit in the release of dozens and dozens of inmates who have been charged with violent crimes and has a record of making politically motivated decisions not based on the law so is there so this is certainly something to watch so those are the words again of the attorney general eric schmidt uh clearly kim gardner is a uh politically motivated prosecutor whose political viewpoints are very likely framed by her race. She's an African-American prosecutor who is full on in full-on defense of Black Lives Matter, protesters, rioters, looters, assaulters, who she has let out of prison, or let out of jail, rather, and refuses to prosecute. Meanwhile, she's prosecuting these two white homeowners for defending their property against, by the way, it should be pointed out, not a mob of Black Lives Matter members, just a mob. It was a diverse, mixed-race mob. There were Black Lives Matter members or leaders or supporters or whatever, but there were also white Antifa members and other assorted anarchists that were a part of that, that mob that broke through the Iron Gate. So 
even though it shouldn't matter one iota what the race of the homeowners are versus the race of the mob, even if it was you know two white people protecting their home against a crowd of exclusively black people, or if it had been two black people protecting their crowd against a, a crowd of exclusively white people, even if that had been the case, it shouldn't matter. The bottom line is violence was in, had already ensued in the form of vandalism and destruction of property, and violent, more violence was being threatened against the homeowners, no matter what the races of those involved are. It shouldn't matter. But since it does in 2020, it should be pointed out, they got their guns to defend themselves against a mob of mixed-race makeup, a mixed-racial makeup. There were blacks and whites and who knows what other assorted ethnicities that might have been included in that group of people. So it all brings us to this question. What will you do? Because you very well may be next. A really great analogy was made on stream.com or stream.org or rather. rather. Um, it's about the canary in the coal mine. Perhaps you remember the canary in the coal mine. They send a canary into a coal mine to find out whether or not there's gases down there. To, uh, and if the bird dies, then obviously uh, the miners can't go in. So there's, the bird is kind of the test, if you will. From 1911 till 1986, British miners carried little cages with canaries on the, in them when they went down into the mine. This practice, suggested by a scientist, had a crucial life-or-death purpose. The men were working in dark and dangerous conditions. They frequently ventured into tunnels where carbon monoxide overcame them. And you might remember that killer gas is odorless, tasteless, and colors, colorless. So the first ta- sign you're breathing it is that you become very sleepy. And by that point, you don't have the breath or energy to escape, and you die. Canaries need more oxygen than humans, so a canary in a cage will pass out or die before toxic gas has the level to kill off miners. So they'd see the canary fall over and know enough to flee. While it's sad that the little birds died, the practice saved the lives of countless hundreds of thousands of hardworking blue-collar miners, first in Britain and then around the world. That kind of makes it vivid, doesn't it? Imagine you're schlepping downward, downward, downward into the very bowels of the earth, thousands of pounds of dirt and rock between you and open air, and you have no equipment to test the very air that you're breathing. Only this fragile little bird chirping and singing stands sentinel for your life. If he falls over, you're dead. That's exactly how we should feel right now, watching what's happening to Mark and Patricia McCloskey. They're the, the St. Louis residents who are going through this right now. They are the canary in the national coal mine. If they die, meaning they lose and are allowed to be convicted and put into prison for defending themselves and their family, the rest of us have to flee. The rest of us need to know the air isn't safe to breathe. The rest of us need to know the country has been lost. They are the canary in the coal mine. If the McCloskeys are restored to their citizenship status and have their guns returned to them, and with the deepest apologies from officials in the state of Missouri, then we know that we can fight on, we can breathe, and the country can be rescued. And you can have your Second Amendment rights. And you can defend yourself and your family and your property. But if the McCloskeys go down, we're done. They are the canary in this coal mine. Do not misunderstand this in the least. It's 921. I'll be right back.
Jim Renacci coming up in about 10 minutes. We'll talk about a host of things in Ohio and uh, a former Ohio governor who is a Republican turned Democrat. We already knew he was a Democrat by his actions, uh, but now full on as uh, John Kasich gets set to go to Milwaukee and uh, give a speech at the Democratic National Convention on behalf of Joe Biden. Simply amazing. But back to the story. Of the morning, <clears throat> the charges filed against uh, the McCloskeys in St. Louis, Missouri. The question, of course, is what will you do? What, what And what do you think will happen if this canary dies in that coal mine? What do you think will happen if Joe Biden becomes president of the United States? You might think, well, this might be just a one-off. This might be something that is just an outlier and that won't happen to me. You know, here, excuse me, here in the state of Ohio, we don't have rogue prosecutors like that. I'll defend my family, blah, blah, blah. What do you think is going to happen if Joe Biden wins the presidency and if the Democrats also win the Senate, which I believe will go hand in hand? If one happens, so will the other. What do you think is going to happen? Your police force is going to be decimated. Decimated. Police response times are already too slow as it is. That's why we have so much violent crime in this country, is we have so few cops in this country. You understand that? We have so few cops in this country already. I saw something on Twitter today. It's data from Wikipedia, so you take it for what it's worth. But it's just a bar graph showing uh, the number of police officers per 100,000 residents in various countries around the, around the globe. Russia, for example, has around 625 police officers for every 100,000 residents. Mexico has almost 500 police officers for every 100,000 citizens. Germany, uh, just under 400. South Africa, about 350. Japan, right at about 220 or so, based on the bar graph. Sweden, just under 200. And then there's the United States. Pretty close to Japan's, actually. Right around 200, if I had to guess, 200, two and a quarter, maybe. 225 police officers per 100,000 citizens or residents. And that says so much about violent crime in America. Violent criminals don't fear being caught. There already aren't enough cops. Now you go ahead and couple that with electing Joe Biden, giving Democrats power who are already kowtowing to Black Lives Matter and Antifa and Revcom USA in trying to defund the police, thus shrinking police forces even more than they already are. Ponder that for just a moment. What will you do then when the the invaders come to your home or to your place of work or to your place of worship? Police can't be there. And now if this canary dies in the coal mine, the McCloskey's in uh, St. Louis... You will now have it on record that you can't use firearms to defend yourself and your family or your church or or your school or wherever it is that you might be. You're not allowed. If Joe Biden wins and take the Senate, the Second Amendment will be gone. They already confiscated these uh, the, the guns of the McCloskeys, and they have, they're legal gun owners. They're going to pack the courts, and they're going to literally destroy the United States as you currently know her. From your the Bill of Rights on down, what will you do if this canary dies and if Joe Biden takes over? I say this to scare you. You understand that? I'm trying to fear-monger right now. Normally I condemn fear-mongering. Fear-mongering is what Mike DeWine does every day. Fear-mongering is what Dr. Fauci does every day. 
Normally, I oppose fear-mongering, but I'm going to try to fear-monger right now, and I'm trying to scare you into understanding how important it is that you do not let Joe Biden and the Democrats take over this country, or our entire constitutional republic will be gone. You will be at the mercy of criminals and thugs, and there will be no police to bail out the situation. Do not misunderstand me. Do not underestimate what I'm telling you. I'm speaking the truth. Jim Renacci will join us after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. Board, get there. Nine thirty-five. Now we continue. AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Good Tuesday morning to you. Don't forget, Kirsten. Now coming up at ten ten. We're going to talk about a host of these issues, including what happened in St. Louis and what is happening with those canaries in the giant American coal mine. But joining us now to talk about something different, what is happening a little closer to home, is former Ohio congressman from Ohio's sixteenth congressional district, Jim Renacci, now uh, running Ohio's Future Foundation. Jim, good to have you on the program. How are you, sir? Good, Bob. How are you today? I'm good. It's good to have you back on the air. There's a lot going on. I would love to get your perspective on, so I appreciate you making yourself available. Before we talk about uh, Governor Mike DeWine and some of the decisions that are being made with respect to COVID policy, et cetera, opening of schools, and so on and so forth, uh, Congressman, I want to talk about the last governor, John Kasich. Was a Republican, you know, we, we always hear those, that phrase, Rhino, Republican in name only, but I mean, so I guess we have to call him by name a Republican, since he did have the R after his name when he was elected and he ran for re-election. But when he abandoned President Trump in the Cleveland Convention of 2016 and refused to be there for him, uh, we knew that he wasn't necessarily a devotee of the Republican Party or Republican ideology or principles. Now, Congressman Renacci, He's on his way to Milwaukee, where he's going to speak uh, at the Democratic National Convention against Donald Trump. It's one thing to remain silent and not show up at your convention, especially in your home state. But now he's going to actually speak on behalf of Joe Biden. What do you make of that? Well, Bob, it's amazing. You know, it was about it was actually four years ago today that the Republican convention kicked off in uh, Cleveland and uh it is amazing that uh, Governor Kasich at that time couldn't find his way to Cleveland, Ohio, for the Republican convention, but now has figured out a way to get to Milwaukee for the Democratic convention. And, and I was talking about this four years ago. If we go back four years ago, there was only one person actually speaking on behalf of nominee Trump at the convention, and I was on 60 or 70 news outlets because no one seemed to want to talk about uh, nominee Trump at that time, elected officials-wise, I mean. And uh, so I was on the airways. And at that time, I was even criticizing Governor Kasich because I said he has to, in fact, I used the scenario that we're all on a team. We've got to get um, Trump elected. And, of course, if you remember back then, people were hoping that there would be a brokered convention and maybe Kasich would be able to stop uh, Trump That's from right. being nominated. And uh um, so even the Ohio delegation was sitting quietly. Uh, I still remember the day as I was sitting in the Trump family seats, um, watching the Ohio delegation not even stand uh, when nominee Trump was uh, 
um, on the stage. So those that's four years ago, and, and four years later, it appears that uh, uh, former Governor Kasich uh, has not changed his stripes. He is still willing to uh, uh, try and stop uh, President Trump from uh, being reelected. Yeah, there's there, there's no question that is exactly what he's doing. It's just you know he's part of I guess the this Lincoln project where there are a bunch of uh, Republicans or again people who call themselves Republicans even though they seem to have abandoned Republican principles, but uh, that are trying to take the Republican Party back away from President Trump. What I don't understand, Congressman, is is prior to. Um, you know, the virus and the pandemic breaking out and, uh, and, and states uh, from one end of the country to the other all shutting down and closing down the economy and putting millions of people out of work and so on and so forth. President Trump was was governing beautifully. I mean, you know, he was keeping promises. He was limiting uh, border crossings. He was uh, lowering taxes. <clears throat> Excuse me. He withdrew from the uh, deals that he said he would, the Paris Climate Accord among them, uh, you know, the Iran nuclear, Iran nuclear deal. The economy was cruising. I mean, everything he said he would do, deregulations, he did, and we were all in great shape. Then the pandemic hits. Then the George Floyd situation happens, and now there's, you know, two straight months of, of racial rioting and protesting and so forth. Um, I, I just wonder what people like Kasich and other Republicans want out of a guy. What what more do they want out of a, a president than what President Trump was delivering prior to all of these things that are that are out of his control? Well, four years ago they wanted him gone. Four years later they want him gone again. Uh, too often, and, and I wrote this in my book. Politics is a dirty business. People want power. Uh, right now, Kasich has no power. He would love to have more power if he can unseat and stop. Uh, Trump, he'll be able to say he was one of the people who did it. I mean, it, it is amazing what goes on behind the scenes um, if you take on the establishment. Uh, there was word this morning, I don't know if you saw breaking news, that the FBI has showed up at Larry Householder's home I saw morning. that in the last news break during, during about 10 yeah. minutes ago. Yes, sir. And it's interesting. It seems like those that take on, uh, in some cases, you notice that uh, Speaker Householder has tried to take on uh, the governor and, and some of his policies. The, Sometimes I wonder, I'm not saying it's connected, but sometimes I wonder, it's all about the power and, uh, and the power play that uh, really concerns me. And, and Bob, that's one of the reasons why I kicked off the 2040 project, because what, and I know you were talking about this earlier, what are we leaving? I have a grandson that was just born two weeks ago. What are we leaving the child who was born today, 20 years from now? What is he or she going to have if we're taking Second Amendment rights away, if we're you know, if we're taking our freedoms and liberties away, these are things that people have to start thinking about. The American dream is actually under threat right now, and it's uh, very concerning. Just because uh, you brought it up, Congressman, <clears throat> we're talking to Jim Renacci on AM 1420, The Answer. If you just turn the radio on, just because you brought it up, I went ahead and did a quick check of the headline that you and I both saw. Uh, Dayton Daily News reports the following. Police activity being reported at Ohio Speaker uh, House Speaker Larry Householder's farm in Perry County and the U.S. Attorney's Office said it is holding a 2.30 p.m. press conference today related to $60 million in bribes paid to state officials and associates. FBI Special Agent and Agent in Charge Chris Hoffman and U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of Ohio David DeVillers expected to brief the press today on a federal racketeering case. 
Uh, and there's a little bit more after that. I don't know exactly what uh, Householder's role in any of this may be, uh, if any at all, or why it is they're talking to him. But that's what I have. So we'll we'll keep our eyes open on that. It's probably a little premature to comment on it, but I just wanted to brief everybody uh, on it uh, for, for the time being. Now, what you said, uh, Congressman Renacci, is true. Um, Mr. Householder and many others, myself included, have been very, very critical in challenging Governor Mike DeWine's response to the pandemic. As a matter of fact, I think it has been heavy-handed. It has been over the top. It has been overreactionary, and I think it has been destructive to Ohio. And now it appears that he's about to do it again. Even though we have reopened some segments of the economy, as you know, uh, he is going to. Be, he had a press conference last week, a 5:30 primetime delivery of a speech in which he basically told every Ohioan, you need to wear masks voluntarily or else bad things are going to happen. And now today he is apparently going to be announcing new orders and more bad things happening. How do you evaluate what you have seen from the governor in this pandemic? Well, look, uh, what's interesting about Governor DeWine, he teased things up. Uh, so when he does his, his spill last week, he was really telling us he's coming back with some orders. And what I have said all along is if a business wants to put a sign up in front of their door that says no mask, no service. I respect that. That's the businessman and the businesswoman's right, right to say, I do not want you coming in my building without a mask. But I do not believe the government has that authority. And in fact, I, it's unconstitutional. But we seem to have Republicans too often that say they, they believe in the Constitution, but don't work in regard to the Constitution. So I have, uh, I have criticized governor i have taken a lot of heat for some of my criticism over the last couple months but uh, i've said all along we better be very careful in ohio prior to 2020 and the pandemic ohio was ranked 50th in the state in the country based on new jobs and uh, new businesses 50th worst last people's got to start thinking about it we lost 6200 jobs last year and now we're putting our total economy at risk which means we put our total tax base at risk, which means we put a lot of things at risk for our children, our grandchildren, and everyone that's listening, which is very concerning to me. I've said all along, you have to balance the health needs with the economic needs at the same time. I'm not sure, and I don't believe the governor has done that. I've taken criticism for saying that, but I do believe it's it. I said it early. I had people criticizing me. I now have people coming back and saying, you're right. The state is hurting. Our unemployment system is broke. Our unemployment system, they warned that the unemployment system was going to be in jeopardy in 2019. Nobody did anything about it. Today we have an unemployment system that's insolvent. All of these things are occurring because we have an individual who is not listening to everybody, seems to be listening to a select few, and then that means, and that's dangerous. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say one more thing. I still remember the when... Um, Congressman Regulus said to me one time when I first took office about TV, he says, always fear the guy on TV because he's the most dangerous politician you could ever have. And I thought, wow, um, I'm st- we're starting to see that happen more and more. We're talking with Congressman Jim Renacci. Um Why is he so afraid, talking about Governor Mike, Lewine, uh, Mike DeWine, 
Why is he so afraid to allow the legislatures, legislators to legislate? Um, he vetoed a bill that would decriminalize the public health orders that were originally put in place by Dr. Amy Acton. Uh, Senate Bill 55 increased penalties on drug trafficking when the, within a thousand feet of a treatment center, but it was amended in the House and accepted by a majority of the Senate to decriminalize violations of these public health orders, or at least to minimize the penalties for these violations, and he vetoed that. He seems to want full and total control. You know, this has not been a law that was passed. The health order Order is not a law, even though a law, an archaic law, does give the health director the right to, you know, put in place certain orders during crisis uh, crises. But but why is he blocking out one third of the three co-equal branches of government uh, as it pertains to responding to this this pandemic? Well, I I don't know that answer. You know, uh, I think sometimes power besets power. And uh, one thing I heard yesterday, I was talking to a number of legislators in the state house and they were telling me that uh he has actually um been on phone calls where he's berated many of them and just you know he he has shown that he is going to do what he wants to do and uh, he is not going to listen and that's a scary situation um when you have state legislators saying that that the governor has said we're going to get this done we're going to do this and he's not listening to the body uh the legislative body that uh, is really part of the three co-equal branches of government. And uh, that's why I I pushed and I hope that we override his veto of that Senate bill, because we have to show the governor that uh, we, uh, the people, the legislature, um, can make these decisions. And we need to override that. I'm hoping they're able to do it. But uh, again, it is, it is a concerning situation um, in Ohio that uh, this governor just, just continues to want to do what he believes right. I don't know who he's listening to. It's clearly a select few. When he says he's listening to businesses, I'm talking to businesses across the state on a weekly basis. Not one of them said they've ever talked to the governor or um, anyone within the government, anyone within, you know, the governor's staff. Congressman, uh, let me ask you about schools. This has been something, you know, uh, with respect to returning to schools and also about school sports, uh, extracurriculars, and so on and so forth. Um, The OHSAA has said that fall sports practices will commence on schedule on August 1st, but it is completely up to the governor as to whether or not there will be competitions. Um, What would you advise the governor? Or if you were governor, how would you handle the the potential reopening of schools for in-class learning, not for virtual learning by laptop at your dining room table? But um, how, what would you do as far as that goes, and what would you do with respect to sports? Should they be allowed to, uh, to go on a schedule? Well, look, we have to get back to some form of normalcy. We also have to eliminate the fear. When you travel around the state and you go into a restaurant, which I still try and do on a local, local basis, mm-hmm. I see restaurants that are empty. There's a fear factor. When I talk to people, everyone's afraid to get back to a normal life, and most of that fear comes from a, from government who tells us we need to be fearful, which is concerning. I mean, I will uh, commend the president for trying to say we need to go back to normal. I know he's criticized all the time when he says that, but we have to get back to some type of normalcy. And I think in the end, you know, I have a son who's a uh, emergency room physician up in New York. He was very left-leaning in the beginning, saying we've got to shut everything down. Now he would tell you 
um, and he still sees COVID patients on a regular basis. We got to get back to normal. This is not going away. Um, herd immunity will continue to kick in, and we just have to get back to normal. And uh, so I would want that to be done. I would want us to get back to normal. And at the same time, I would want to leave a lot of this up to the school boards. More, the more you get the local government involved, the better off you, you are. The closer you are to people, the better off you are when it comes to governing. Congressman Jim Renacci with some thoughts on what's going on in our state. We'll hear from the governor later on today at around 2 o'clock as to what new orders or uh, what answers he is going to have for the state of Ohio as it pertains to the pandemic. And the uh, uh, context lacking is how I'll say it, um, COVID numbers that the governor continues to trot out there each and every day. Congressman, thanks so much for your thoughts today. I appreciate it. Keep up the good work with Ohio's Future Foundation. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you, sir. That's uh, Jim Renacci, former congressman from Ohio's 16th Congressional District, still working on behalf of Ohioans through the Ohio's Future Foundation. And we'll be right back. So someone just texted me and asked me and said, uh, is he going to shut down the state again today? And uh, my answer to that is I don't think so. I don't think he's going to do anything like a bar ban or a restaurant ban or any of those kinds of things just yet. I think that what Mike DeWine is probably going to do is cave into the uh, mask chambers and demand or rather mandate masks to be worn in all public places throughout the state of Ohio for a period of time. That's what I think is coming today. I can't, you know, that's just a speculation. That's my guess. But that's what I think. I um, I will tell you this. Um I don't care if he does or he doesn't. I will not comply. I didn't. I have not complied uh, in Lorain County, which is where I live and where I do most of my commerce, most of my shopping, most of my public stuff is in Lorain County. And they, uh, we were added into the red part of the uh, ridiculous governor's coloring book um, last week. Really, I think on day two. The first, there were the first, what, six or seven counties, and then I think two days later, Lorraine and Summit counties were added. Now we're up to 19 counties, but my point to that is I have not and will not uh, comply. Uh, I'm not wearing masks in public places. I will tell everyone that I do have a medical condition that prohibits me from wearing the mask. If they ask me what that condition is, I will tell them it is none of their business. They're not allowed to get that information from me as per HIPAA laws. Uh, and if uh, they really insist on me, you know, me telling them what my condition is that precludes me from wearing a face covering in a public place, I will tell them that condition is called sanity. Uh, I'm not sick. Sick people cannot be forced to strap cloths to their face. Sick people, or healthy people rather, cannot be forced to do anything. Uh, I make up my mind as to how I stay healthy, how I keep, how, how healthy I want to be, how I maintain that health, what I eat, what I wear, and that includes what I wear on my face. Now, you just heard Jim Renacci say that it is unconstitutional, and he's right. It is unconstitutional, and numerous attorneys have weighed in on that. Lockdowns of businesses, entire classes of businesses, are also unconstitutional, as is determined by uh, numerous um, uh, judicial decisions, court decisions. Uh, So whatever it is that Mike DeWine is going to try, I feel like it is in our best interest to announce ahead of time we will not comply. 
I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to comply, and I'm not going to apologize. When I say I'm sorry, I don't mean for, for what I'm going to do, but I'm just telling you that my position, what my position is. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but I am not going to uh, wear something that, by the way, and I'm, I'm telling you 100% honest here, I can't breathe in those things. I have tried it in my home because my family has them, because some of their jobs, got to remember, by the way, this is different. Than as Jim Renacy said, a store owner requiring employers or excuse me, employees or customers to wear something is up to the store owner. And I will respect that. And I will tell them it doesn't apply to me. I have an exemption and I'm going to shop. And if they say, no, you're not, we really need you to leave. Okay. I'm not going to fight them. I'll go somewhere else that I can do this in. So my family has jobs. Both my children and my wife have jobs where they do have to wear masks at work. So we do have them in the house. And I have worn them in the house to see what it's like. And I'm telling you, I cannot suck enough oxygen through those things to breathe at a normal pace. I find myself uh, in need of pulling the mask down, and, and which I see so many people doing, by the way, those who are trying to comply, and pulling it down beneath their nose so they can inhale clean oxygen through their nose while the carbon dioxide mixture is stuck in their, ma- stuck in their mask by their mouth. And that's what I did. I cannot wear one of those because I think it is truly compromising my health. And I think there are millions of other people who would agree. So if that's what he tries to do today, okay. We'll respond appropriately, but I can tell you this. My response is going to be, I will not comply. And if you don't want to comply either, by the way, I strongly recommend you get a tool to help you make that case to people that may try to challenge you in public places. Get the blue card from Citizens for Free Speech online right now. It's citizensforfreespeech.org. Get that blue card that details your rights to go mask-free. On the front side of the card, it details the HIPAA law. And it details what the AMA says, or I'm sorry, not the AMA, the uh, 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 ADA says, the Americans with Disabilities Act. And then the backside, well, it just lists something called the First Amendment. But get your free blue card to wear on a blue lanyard around your neck in all public places. Wear the card, not the mask. Get it at citizensforfreespeech.org. Peter Kirsten now joins us next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. This is AM 1420, The Answer, WHK, W273, DG, Cleveland, a service of... 